Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I am joined by my new co-host, my good friend, J.D. Hall. I'm Alex Burr. J.D., in the tradition, I'm throwing a curveball. When you expect a fastball, I mean, I really, I'm not going to lie, I got nothing this week. Except, how does it feel to be a famous actor now? Okay, that was a curveball. I wouldn't say famous, but... I would say uh, it's very it's humbling because a lot of people that I know from like kindergarten has been reaching out and supporting and been reaching me as anybody that know my life story know know the um, things I've been through or know where I come from Hearing hearing what they had to say about me made me like sit down and appreciate myself a little bit more. I mean, it's nice to have a famous actor on. Um, now I know that being on the co-host of the Basketball Power Hour is more prestigious than oh, yeah. being in a movie. I I, I, pref- I prefer this, but I'll take any movie role off. <laughs> Please give my man, put my man JD in a movie. Um, JD, I just want to say thank. I need to thank you up front for filling in for Dylan. Um, Dylan, obviously, again, this is very short turnaround from the last power hour that Dylan was in. But Dylan, you um, will be missed. And like, I know he'll be back, but still, we're gonna have fun doing this with JD. And what when Dylan's available, we'll do this with Dylan and JD. It'll be like a really fun. <laughs> it'll be a really fun time. So, without further ado. Um, There was a trade that happened today. However, it doesn't involve one of the teams we have. So I think we're going to save that for when we discuss the team. And that was obviously the Karis LeVert to Cleveland trade. Our teams for this week are the Mavericks, Nuggets, and Cavaliers. But JD, there was a trade that happened earlier this weekend. Yeah. That between the Clippers and the Trailblazers. And the Blazers sent (laughs) Robert Covington and Norman Powell to the Clippers for Eric Bledsoe, Keon Johnson, Justice Winslow, and like, a, I think it's a 2025 or 2026 protected second round pick. <laughs> or it might have been an unprotected second round pick. But JD, um, why the fuck did the Blazers give away to like really good players for nothing? I know Covington's on an expiring, but that seems really strange to me. Um, I think they, they, they know that they can't go nowhere. And I think it's about time they unload that ship. Honestly, like it's a done deal there. Portland has nothing going for them. They have nothing they can offer. Just kill it now while, while, while it's still a chance. And of course I got to say this because I got bashed when, um, I was saying it over the summer free Damian Lillard. Free that man. Get him out of there. You don't deserve to be going through that. It's really a disgrace what's going on in Portland. I mean, I like, actually, I can't say I like Keon Johnson. Why didn't they get Brandon Boston? Brandon Boston's looked great this year. Like, I see, I know it's crazy to say about the 51st pick in the draft, but 
I think I'd feel like Brandon Boston, I think to me has shown potential to be like, I don't know. I'm not going to say number one because that's crazy talk. Right. <laughs> but I think Brandon Boston showed the potential to be like a, I don't know, like a second scoring option, a third scoring option. I, I go third. Yeah. Like a strong third, a strong third, right? Like if he's your third option, you're feeling really good about yourself. And I, I like, obviously the Blazers are under interim GM. Um, but do the Clippers have like incriminating photos of the interim GM's wife? Like it, <laughs> Norm Powell's very good. I'll tell you what, JD. I think the only reason why they did this, Eric Bledsoe's contract, I think only three million of it is guaranteed for next year. So, and Norm mm. Powell obviously signed a five-year contract. So after this year, he still has four years left on his contract. However. Okay. I don't understand the logic which I like Powell on the Clippers, JD. Let's just let's just go ahead and move to the Clippers side of this. Powell and Covington on the Clippers are gonna play great. Like Covington isn't gonna have to be the on ball stopper. And Powell's gonna get to be like at least for right now, he's gonna get to be the second option. And then when one of Kawhi or PG comes back, he'll be like a great third option for them. Yeah. I, I like it. Uh, I was just talking to I got Caleb about this, Ashley. Uh Caleb, he he's more higher on um the pal thing than I am. I like it. Don't get me wrong, I like it. But I don't know. I feel they they already had two guys that could play that third scoring role. I like it now that they can they got three guys that could be a third option and Morris, Reggie Jackson, and uh now Norm Powell. It was just I wanted um I wanted something different, but I didn't know Covington was part of that deal at that time when Caleb had wrote me. I didn't even know the trade had went down. I was just getting off of work. And so I looked, I'm like, oh, now this is different and very interesting because we seen the Clippers in the playoffs last year go small and have a huge deal of success doing that. Now going small, they could go small and switch interchangeable pieces out and miss nothing. I mean, PG quite all right. We know those the top two guys. But then you look. Reggie Jackson, what, 6'3, 6'4. Uh, Terrence Mann, 6'4, 6'5. Those going to be the smallest guys on the floor. Okay. Marcus Morris, Norman Powell, Robert Covington, Nicholas Batum. That's a strong line. And then we, we got a championship small ball five and Serge Ibaka. Serge is considered a center now. And when you think about it, Serge being a center, it's not a bad thing. We've seen him win with Serge being a very good center. We just need Serge to be Serge again. But with injuries last year, we didn't get to see much of him, which a lot of people don't understand. Serge being out in the playoffs hurt them a big deal because they was losing people left and right. But this year, Serge has been very good now that he's been recovering. I I, I like it. 
it's, because of the Robert Covington addition as well. Norman, I don't think Norman Powell would have addressed everything because I felt I, I really did want them to get somebody who could allow. I wanted somebody who could also make plays for others. Not not just don't get me wrong. I if you know, I love PG playing that point forward role. I love it. I love that Kawhi could take can do the same thing and make those passes. Paul George, the better facilitator, obviously, because Kawhi is just that effective as a scorer. But I love that both of those two can interchange and take those plays off and say, all right, this is what you do. I wanted somebody that could come in and be that third guy for them to do that because it's already an unselfish team. Norm Powell is bound to shoot four of the five times. Yeah. And that's why when initially I first heard, I wasn't as big on it. But because Covington come in, I feel like the defense will be strong enough to where they getting out on the break so much that when they do get down in those half-court uh, times, nine times out of ten, everybody confidence will be going uh, be high or somebody will be rolling well. It don't matter if um, Norm Powell passing or not. If he already scoring, we know Norm Powell can run can run it up. Yeah, yeah. With, with the shooters they got, I think he'll be able to play a little more free, and we might see him pass the ball more because they don't have a selfish team. A lot of those guys are very solid and willing passes. I mean, Marcus Morris can get you six assists on a good night. We know Batum know how to pass. He's a point forward at his best. Um, Paul George, seven assists. Kawhi could give you seven, eight assists. I mean, we had game. They had games. Um, well, we had games where, that we viewed in the playoffs where him and Kawhi would give you eight assists apiece. So I think I think it's a uh, the overall trade was very good. I don't have much to add from what you said because I think everything you said is dead on. Like, yeah, Powell is much more inclined to shoot (laughs) than he is to pass. I think for his career, um, he averages one and a half assists a game. And it's basically been consistent no matter how much he plays. (laughs) The man is a gunner. But I think that Covington, it gives him a new dimension they didn't have, right? Like their small ball lineup was great last year. And against the Suns, it didn't matter as much because the Suns aren't like a, you know, get to the rim a lot team. But Covington is much more of a rim deterrent than Marcus Morris or Batum was, right? Batum and Morris, what they have is they have like girth. So they they didn't do a horrible job. Like, I don't think Morris did a horrible job guarding Aiden last year. Aiden just is a monster, you know, who took advantage of that. But Covington brings in a new element where Covington was the small ball center in Houston a couple of years ago and averaged two blocks a game. So again, I'm not asking him to be the full-time center because that I think Covington the last couple of years has suffered because he had to expend that much energy on defense in Houston. But that being said, JD, I think that the Clippers, I think if they just get one of Kawhi or Paul George back, I'm not saying they're the favorites in the West, but I'd have them ahead of every other team for sure. But Golden State and and Houston, not Houston, Golden State and Phoenix. That would be funny if I had Houston as the top team in the West. Um, <laughs> I'd have them for sure above every team that's not 
Golden State and Phoenix. I think that those two teams are the cream of the crop right now. Yeah. But even with just one of Kawhi or PG back, I think they could still, there's a chance they make the finals a really good one. Yeah. Um, I agree. Um, only thing is, it's one team I can't count out that's still out there. San Antonio Spurs. Memphis. I will talk about Memphis. They're going to be interesting, especially in a couple of weeks when we'll see where their record is. But yeah, it, depending on like if Kawhi came back, I give them that edge with PG. I think it'll be a little bit of a scare. I think the Clippers could pull it. I think they should because they had a they had a um, better play. I think Paul George at his best would be the best player in that series. I I agree. It'll be really interesting to watch what as we go forward through the season. But let's go ahead and move on to the first team on our list, and that is the Dallas Mavericks. Um, JD, they're thirty and twenty-three, good for fifth in the Western Conference. Actually, they just won today, so they're thirty-one and twenty-three, and I'm presuming still fifth. Um, they last Sunday they beat the Magic, or they lost to the Magic, one ten to one hundred eight. I forgot they lost to the Magic. They lost to the Thunder, one twenty to one fourteen in overtime, and they lost to the Sixers, one hundred seven to ninety eight. Um, coincidentally, or they beat the Sixers, one hundred seven to one hundred eight. They Chris Stapps did not play in any of those games. I don't know if he was back tonight or not. I'm gonna check the box score real quick. But no, nah, he wasn't back. So yeah, they've been out. These are the first four games Chris Stapps had missed in a little bit, but he was doing pretty good about, you know, staying on the floor. Um, JD, just the first question is, what are your general thoughts about the Mavericks? Um, nice talent. I just don't think that roster, uh, roster is big enough, good enough to take them um, over the top. I think they have the big names. I mean, Porzingis, when Porzingis has played good this year, it has been really good. It's just, I believe they don't have the pieces to to take them over the top. I don't, I think if they wasn't going against Kawhi the last two years, they get out the first round. Probably. <laughs> but I don't know if I don't know if the role players that's a part of their core are gonna cut it. Like, don't get me wrong, they got some the guys that they have are good. But when these are your third, fourth, fifth option, if these are the guys that's on the floor late in the game, most of those guys are players that teams would love to be the one taking a shot or be the one to say, he has to stop me on defense or be like, this really is, this is really all you got. Like it's players on their team. That's part of their core that teams. I'm pretty sure. Look at this is the best you got. And I don't think that 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 allowed them to go further. That's a fair thing to say. I think that I think it's kind of what I've been saying the last couple of years is they have like a real a lot of nice pieces, right? But they don't have any guys that make you go whoa. Other than Luca, Luca is a 
great talent. Um, he's probably he's probably going to make first team All NBA again this year, <laughs> and I think he's already made two. I don't know if he will, but I just feel like they give Luca first team all the I time. Win. I win. I pro- I wouldn't either. I I mean I don't think Demar is a guard, but I I would. They got they got Demar as a fort, but honestly. Man, I, I gotta I gotta go two other guards. Well, we'll get into those later. I'm sure that'll be the last podcast we do of the regular season. It'll be the all NBA teams. Let's but do it. I think that like other than Luca, like Jalen Brunson is fine, right? Like I think Jalen Brunson, if he was in the top one hundred, he'd be on the borderline, right? I think Dorian Finney Smith is on the borderline of the top one hundred. Chris Stapps is in the top one hundred, but like maybe like in the top seventy. You know, is he better? Is he the best, you know, tall shot blocking, you know, power forward slash center in his own division? Jaron Jackson would like a word. Um, I think that this team, like Luca is carrying them, right? I, JD, I, I just thought of this, but I'm sure everyone's, I'm sure I'm not the first person to think of it. It's kind of like the mid 2000s Cavs, right? Where, they have a, you know, a generational talent and they're trying to surround him with like really good vets. Right. The problem is, is they lock themselves into this team and then it's not very good. And we know what happened with LeBron in 2010 with Cleveland. I mean, first of all, am I off base there saying that this is like kind of like mid 2000s Cleveland? I can see where you're going with it. I don't think um, outside of Przingis, I don't think nobody that um, Dallas got is as good as Mo Williams, though. I mean, Chris Apps is better than Mo Williams. I feel pretty comfortable saying that. Yeah. Outside of Porzingis, nobody else comes close. <laughs> I think that, like, Brunson, Brunson is taking a step forward, right? I will talk more about Brunson later because that's one of my questions. You know, Finney Smith, Hardaway Jr., I. I think we neglected to talk about this on the last power hour. Cause I think that happened within that week, but um, Hardaway jr. Broke his foot and I think he's going to miss the rest of the regular season. Oh, wow. And so he's going to, so they're missing a huge, like one of their best scorers, but he, I knew he, he went down. I didn't know it was for the rest of the season. Like I think the regular season, I think he might be back in time for the playoffs. Okay. But still it's, you know, that's bad because Hardaway jr. They relied on him. A that's the third option. And now, like, their third option is going to be Josh Green. Like, (laughs) it's not looking great in Dallas, but here's my next question for you, J.D. Has Luka been better or worse this year, in your opinion? Now, we've had, like, a full, like, you know, 50-game sample. We're almost at the All-Star break. And Luka, like, you know, at the beginning of the year had a really slow start, but it feels like he's picked it up lately and he's playing like the old Luka. And I, I should have thrown this option in there. Has he looked better? Has he looked worse? Or has he looked the same? Um, better. I'm, I'm going to say better because, I mean, I, I think last year, early in the season, Luca, we know Luca likes to shoot. I think last season, and not into the playoffs could we say, oh, Luca really knocking that knocking it down. He had moments where it looked like he wasn't gonna miss. 
But I think in the playoffs, it was like, oh, this guy really can shoot. Because a lot of his criticism was he shot too much. Like, not just field goal attempts, but shot too many jump shots. I think with this year, I trust him shooting. Because I think, I think not only does he look more comfortable, but he's shown he can knock these shots down, and he has. And I think um, I say better with that. I think he's more. I think he's more poised. Last last season, I feel like I, one of the things I always said: Luca turns to a big baby sometimes. It, it used to piss me off. Dylan complained about that earlier in the year. Like he, it, it pisses me off. I think now, like. I haven't seen him doing this much. He still got his moments, but it's not what it was. I think I think he's more poised and he's like, all right, I'm going to just take this and do what I got to do. So I'm going to say better. I think that Luca, for better or worse, I think he's gotten maybe like a little better, but I would lean more towards the same just because I like – the defense is what it is, right? Like he's six eight. He's probably going to end up playing power forward at some point, like doing what James Harden did, except he's bigger than James Harden. Yeah. So he should, you know, theoretically, he'd be great at it. I think that Luca, like the passing, is always phenomenal, right? Absolutely. I just wish, like, he would take more shots from like the sixteen to twenty three foot range. They're going to give Luca that shot. And he can shoot. He just shoots too many threes, right? I don't think Luca yeah. should be shooting eight threes a game. I don't. And again, if you've been listening to the Power Hour for the last month, <laughs> I've been like a broken record on this, <laughs> saying that guys should shoot more mid-range. I think that should be a drinking game. Anytime I say on the Power Hour to, that someone needs to take more mid-range shots. But Luca is shooting a lot of his shots from floater range, right? And he's really good at that. I just feel like, J.D., you know, there's an area on the court to exploit from 16 to 23 feet. And I don't think he's taking advantage of that enough. I think, I think he needs to do what more of the better uh, playoff scores. And that is go to the uh, mid range. I think that's where really that's where the playoffs won it. If you can shoot the mid range. It's how I the mean, Suns made the finals last year. Yeah, and not even just that. You look at a lot of the close games Milwaukee was in, not Giannis, but Chris Middleton was lining it up from the mid-range. Bobby Portis made a lot of mid-range shots. Drew Holiday, a lot of mid-range shots. And I mean, when when you got guys that can make that, it kind of forces you to, all right, Three level score. I I got to be on my A game, and now now they kind of at your hands when you as gifted as a guy like Luca. Yeah, and I think that's a really good way to put it. And you know he's really good at drawing fouls too. I don't know how many free throws he's shooting this year. He's down to six point six, which in this NBA is still a lot. <laughs> because I think Joel might be leading the league in foul attempts, but Harden's only at eight. So 
He needs to get to the rim more. I'll say too, because right now cleaning the glass has 21% of his shot attempts or sorry, 19% of his shot attempts coming at the rim. That needs to be, if I was going to create a ratio, right? Like 19% of his shots are coming at the rim. 38% are coming from floater range. 10% are coming from 16 to 23. And then 33% are coming from three in my perfect world. 30% of those are at the rim. 25% are in the floater range. Um, 15% are in the mid range. And then 30% are in from three. So that's, you know, he doesn't even have to shoot less threes. And I'm sure my math is horribly wrong there. I'm not going to act like it probably wasn't, <laughs> but <laughs> you get what I'm trying to say where, yeah, actually it would be 20% of his shots would be threes, which I think actually would be a much better percentage. It just feels like he takes too many threes, you know, that step back. I feel like that step back three is a crutch, right? Because it breaks your back when you make it. But when you miss it, it's like, it leads to more transition opportunities. It leads to more, you know, you're 30 feet away from the basket so that someone gets an offensive rebound. You have 14 seconds on the clock and you're at the logo. I just don't think the step back three, like for anyone other than Steph is a good idea. Even I think he probably shouldn't be taking more than a couple of those a game at most. I think that the step back three has his drawbacks and I don't think Luca is good enough to justify how many he takes. The, um, the problem is he's a volume shooter. He's not efficient enough. Like in the playoffs, that's what made Dallas look so great at the start of the series was Luca was very efficient. But when you notice those shooting numbers around the same or they still rising, but your makes are going down, you got to change something. And I don't think... um, I don't think he had adjusted to that. We it's still to be seen this year, but I mean that's one of those things. Well, I mean think of the entire Houston team years ago. They kept shooting threes and was missing to the point where they missed how many twenty seven straight. Mm-hmm. Why not just go for a better shot? I see. Yeah. We were watching those guys turn down layups to make passes for threes and I think as great as the as much as the shot is important in the game I would say that the last I mean probably the last 10 years every championship team has somebody on their team that could dominate in the mid-range area Chris Middleton was almost unstoppable in the mid-range last year um, the year before with the Lakers. Anthony Davis was unstoppable in the mid-range. The year before that. Um, Kawhi. Kawhi, unstoppable in the mid-range. Siakam, good mid-range shooter that year. I mean, KD. The year, the years before. KD, Steph, Clay. They just made it, especially KD. The year before that. Kyrie Irving lived in the mid-range. Um, the year before that, Stephen Clay, Harrison Barnes, they had guys that just took a lot of mid-range shots and made it. The year before that, San Antonio, Tony Parker, pulled up from the mid-range. Miami, two championships. Dwayne Wade lived in the mid-range. 
Chris Bosh, yeah, he made threes, but where was most of his shots? 18 footers. And we could keep going. Kobe, MJ. Kobe lived in the mid. Every team, every team that wins. Dirk. Dirk wasn't putting up 41 points, shooting 13 threes. Dirk was knocking it down from the mid range and getting to the foul line like a lot. <laughs> and and most of them was mid range attempts. DeRozan this year, a lot of his fouls are in the mid range. They analytics say it's the best shot, but that is my thing with analytics. You get proven wrong every championship. Like even I'm I'm about to bring up one of my favorite players, Jimmy Butler. Is not a great three point shooter, but where did Jimmy Butler kill the Lakers at? In the mid range, he was on automatic in the mid range, to the point he outscored LeBron and AD because you couldn't stop him. When you have a guy that can do that, you are not only in every game, you have a strong chance of winning in the playoffs. And I don't think that that's that's the area where Luca he gonna have to make that next adjustment to say, all right, I mean, hell, you got Dirk over there. Just go work out with him and learn his not even learn his his fadeaway. Found what's comfortable for you, perfected, and I guarantee you will have one of those post games that take you out of a series because you won't need the shot 13 times. You just got to be able to show them you can make the shot two times on the post. They're going to double you then with the passing that you have, next level. MB, MVP, um, candidate this year. What is the one shot we hardly see him miss? The mid-range pull-up. This is, <laughs> I mean, when you look at all the greats, this is what they thrive. Tim Duncan thrive there. I'm. We can go on and on. If Luca add that into his game, he will, he will excel in the playoffs. I Listen, I'm I'm so glad Dylan agreed with me, but he wasn't as militant about it as you and I are. I'm just glad I have a brother in arms about the mid-range because I've been preaching it all year. And JD's known me long enough to know I've evolved from an analytics nerd to a that that guy's nice <laughs> kind of watcher. Um I listen. I agree with everything you said. I, we need to move on, but that was, those are really good points about the mid-range. And uh, let me let me cap off the Luka discussion by saying this. Even a mid-range step back is better than a three-point step back. They're giving you a lot of room in the mid-range, and your step back is good enough from three where you'd kill it if you did it all the time from two. That's my opinion, and let's go ahead and move on to the next question I have about the Mavericks. Do you pay... Jalen Brunson or Dorian Finney-Smith or both in the offseason. Those guys are both free agents unrestricted coming into the offseason. Dallas is already has a pretty heavy salary sheet, and that's not factoring it. I think Luka's extension kicks in next year, so they're going to be paying a lot of money to a lot of guys. 
JD, do you think either of those guys are worth, let's just say, 15 million a year? Do you think either of them are worth that? Um, depends on the team, obviously. But if I'm Dallas, Jalen Bronson, he has showed it. But in all honesty, Jalen Bronson right now, I think his trade value has exceeded expectations. I'll try to get some pieces back for him right now. Even if you don't get like a big name guy, you, you probably could get two bench guys that'll beef up your bench that can just score. Not even just score. I mean, you could get hybrid guys that one's a score coming off the bench and the other one is a guy that you wanted and you scouted and he don't get a lot of playing time and you bring out something to him. But that's all. I mean, you know, it's a lot that goes into that, but we've seen certain teams be able to do that to pieces. I mean, hell, Javante Green. A perfect example. I think he would have been a guy Dallas could have, they should have threw $17 at him. With what he's shown this year, he would have been net good for Dallas. So, but to get back to just these two guys, I pay Jalen Bronson because he 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 learned how to play off of Luca and be consistent in his game. I think Dorian Finney Smith is as good as they can get at doing that. I don't think he's even a top five guy in what he does. We named somebody that I take earlier over him. 10 times out of 10 and Robert Covington. And to be completely honest, this is not the best Robert Covington that we've seen. But he's better at doing just this specific thing at what they got Dorian Finney-Smith doing. Maybe this is just, maybe the way Dorian Finney-Smith isn't is used isn't the best version of him. But from what we got, and this is all we know of him, it's a lot of guys you can upgrade to to fill his void. Yeah, I mean, if TJ McConnell was healthy, I think I'd try to go out and get TJ McConnell. Um, I think he's on a steal of a contract for the next four years. I don't know when he's going to be back healthy. Um, I think Finney Smith is the guy for me. Like, I don't know if I'd pay him $15 million a year, if you could get him for like three years or four years, 52 million, that's 13 million a year. Like, I feel like but for Smith, Dallas to go over the top, would you do that? That's tough. But here's the thing, JD. I feel like he's a, a pretty good on ball defender, right? He's not top of the top, but it's really hard to find guys who are six. I think he's six, seven. Let's just. Check the height real quick. Dorian Finney-Smith is 6'7". It's really hard to find guys who are 6'7", who can slide their feet really well, right? I, I think that's one of the hardest skill sets to find in the whole league. So, Andy makes a good amount of his threes, too. Now, as part of that playing with Luka, I have no doubt in my mind that it is. I mean, nobody got him. He's the one guy on Dallas nobody fears. That's true. That's part of the argument against him. But I think he's like, you remember when Mo Harkless was the guy in Portland, everybody would leave him open all the time mm-hmm. and nobody respected Mo Harkless. He's better than Mo Hart. Like he's a better shooter than Mo Harkless. Like I, th- yeah, but I'm not going to lie though. Mo Harkless has shown that he a dunk on you at that time. A lot of teams 
would rather give up the three versus somebody that they know would constantly try to dunk on you. Benny Smith, though, like, if you leave him alone, he'll find the crease and get the offensive rebound, right? Like, that's what... That's- yeah, yeah. He's, he's a... That, I think that may be the most underrated part that I love about him. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a hater against like, him. I, I, I get what that. you're saying. Like, you're making the argument, like, you're being rational here, and you're like, okay, why should I pay this guy $15 million a year? I get where you're coming from. This is my case for I think it. Like 12. 12? I think 12 like, is somewhere, solid. Somewhere in that 12 to 14 range, I think, he's probably going to get more than that because we just saw what Mikhail Bridges got, and he's not as good as Mikhail Bridges. But he'll be like, hey, you know, I can do a lot of stuff Mikhail Bridges can do. Give me 90 million. Right. And I don't think I'd give him 90 million. I mean, and it depends on the team. Orlando Orlando can pay him 18 million. And Orlando or he'd suck in Orlando. I mean, what Orlando pay? What was that? They pay Alfred Camino like 17. They paid him 10 million a year, which felt like 17 million a year. Man, it felt like 17 because I mean. The year he was coming off didn't even deserve double digits. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it did not. You are correct on that one, my friend. But, yeah, I think... I, I swear it, I thought his contract was much way, way more than that. I I think you said something, though, and I, I want to get back to it. It's all situation dependent, right? Like, if he goes... Like, if he was on the Jazz right now, he'd be worth $20 million just because they don't have anyone like him. Right, they don't have anyone that can get a stop on the way in the way that he can, and he's not even like you said a top five guy you think of when you think of a three and D wing. But on the Mavs, I don't, I don't know. I think Brunson. It's nice to have someone else who can handle the ball. Brunson's a really good passer. Like I think yeah, that's underrated. Like he gets the ball to the right spot. He's not like a flashy passer like Luca, but he gets the ball to the right spot. The ball is in the pocket all the time. I just don't know if I'd pay like that guy. Like we saw Caruso and TJ McConnell, two guys who before this year were very much better than he was get the mid-level exception last year. And I think that's probably what he would get. Like I just, he's younger than both those guys. I think, well, he's definitely younger than Caruso was. Yeah. He has to be younger than both of them, but Still, I just I don't think I'd pay him a whole lot. Um, on to the last question, JD, before we move on to the Denver Nuggets. Is there anyone in the West that you think they could beat in a series? And what I should have phrased this better. Are there any top teams you think they could beat in a playoff series? Because they could probably beat the Nuggets right now. Yeah, I would say they beat Denver. Minnesota. Um, I don't think they beat Minnesota. Interesting. Why don't you think they beat Minnesota? I don't think they can defend Minnesota. Minnesota is very dynamic on offense. I mean, when they guys clicking, D'Lo, Anthony Edwards, and Cat are damn near unguardable. Now, can we see that for a seven-game series? That's to be seen. But to be honest, I don't think that Dallas have anybody to throw at them. Dorian Finney-Smith on Anthony Edwards. I'm going to take Anthony Edwards uh, four games of that seven. And they have nobody to guard D'Angelo Russell. And Cat is Cat. Yeah. So you take Minnesota off the board. I mean, I think they could possibly, but 
right now, I'm willing to bet on Minnesota because I think they had a better players and they got Vanderbilt's. They they got guys that actually they can throw on Luca. Yeah, Vanderbilt's the one like he deserves to make all defense team this year. That That guy is insane. (laughs) So he's insane. Um, even um. We seen we seen Patrick Beverly get on the Luca skin for two games, but Luca abused him. Yeah, when he chose to just dominate him, but the first two games the Clippers, um, when they said, "I, right, Pat, you guard Luca the first quarter," he caused enough havoc in the first quarter. Now after the first quarter settled down, I'm not gonna lie. Luca said, "Every time this baby is on me, I'm going to the hole." But for those for those two first quarters, Patrick Beverly did enough for the Clippers to stay in the game and ultimately win them. Okay, so I think I think I'm not saying Patrick Beverly could guard him. Don't get me wrong, but all it takes is one quarter. All it takes is one stop, and then your best players have to do the rest. Luca is the best player of them all. I think the next two go to um, Minnesota. I like the next three. Yeah, I'm, I, it's a toss up for um, if I'm gonna say all three of them are better than Porzingis, because we don't know what Porzingis we're going to get. True. But in the series versus Cat, I think he has a good chance of actually doing well because I think, yeah, he would have to play more. Okay, so I'm going to go rapid fire. I'm going to name a team. You say, can yes or no, can Dallas beat them in the playoffs? That's all I want. Yes or no. Phoenix Suns. No. I also say no. Golden State Warriors. No, hell no. That is also an emphatic hell no. Memphis Grizzlies. No. I think there is a chance. The only way it happens is if Luka goes supernova. But I don't Luka think... Luka have to average like 37 a night. Which he did in the Clipper series. <laughs> and they lost. Yeah, but, and I mean, th- that's that's my thing. The Clippers also got two guys that we could say are better than everybody on Memphis. But the reason I'm saying no is it's not because of Luka. I think he can average that 37, but I also think Luka would be average. If he's averaging that 37, he averaging like 12 assists for them to win. That's fair. Versus the Clippers, he wasn't finna put up 12 assists a game. That's fair. And I think with the way Memphis, but the way Memphis play and the way they have got everybody on their team got a chip on their shoulder. You have to be in kill mode at all times. If you show one inch, like if you if you if you wink the wrong way and show that you want to complain and cry. That we know Luca Luca does. That's why I commended him earlier. He's not doing as much as he did last year. But if he does that one time versus them, this is a team that feel they could kill anybody. Because they all play with that chip on their shoulder. If you give them that and you show them that, you are going to be at their you you been that you bent that they will. And Fair we've enough. seen we've seen I mean, come on now. 
Desmond Bain going at LeBron. Now, don't get me wrong. Desmond Bain not shown to be a very good player. But come on now. LeBron is top two all time. If they're not scared of LeBron, they're not scared of anybody. So that's a good that's a good point. All right. Are they beating Utah in a seven game series? Yes. Okay. I think this one's a toss up. Um, are they beating are they beating Denver with one of Murray or Porter back? Oh. I say no. No. They can't beat Denver with either one back. Jokic is just better than anyone on the Nuggets, including... They they got a triple team. And with his passing, in that series, Jokic averages 31-17 and 13. Yeah, easily. All right. So I think we both agree, based on the way we talked about them earlier, they don't beat the Clippers. Last one, because I don't know. This team isn't going to sniff the playoffs. There's no way they play Dallas. Do you think they beat the Lakers in a seven-game series? No. I don't either. Like, wait. There's one way. Okay. The only way that they can is if Russell Westbrook plays like he's played the last couple nights. Yeah, it's not looking great for our guy Russ out in uh now if Russ get back to playing with that confidence that we know that he has. Cause right now I think Russell Westbrook lost his identity as a player. To be completely honest. Sometimes I don't know who the hell he is out there. I think as a guy with the confidence that he has has shown. I think he's lost his identity just a little bit. We know at heart, Russ is a killer. We haven't seen that of him as of late. Oh, and I hope he gets back to it. But... If, if, Russ, if Russ get that attitude again, they don't beat him. But if he play like he has been lately, I think they can win only because I, the Lakers won't be able to defend them. They won't be able to defend the Lakers, and it'll come to a team that can get a stop. I'll put money on Dallas getting a stop before the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, Dallas has the sixth best defense in the NBA right now, according to Clay in the Glass, which I w- would not have thought of what is possible <laughs> before the year. But, hey, I got to give Jason Kidd props. They're you know, not he's- showing it. Okay, see, hit them. I'm not getting yeah, into that game. That game was. I lost brutal. money. It was brutal at the end. But JD, I think it's time for us to move on to the Denver Nuggets. They are 29 and 24, good for sixth in the Western Conference. So we have the fifth and sixth teams in the West today. Um, their last week has been pretty interesting. They absolutely gobsmacked the Bucks, 136 to 100. They lost to the Wolves, 130 to 115. They lost to the Jazz, 108 to 104 in a game where none of the stars played. I think Trent Forrest was the leading scorer. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Um, they I beat, did. They lost to the Pelicans, 113-105. And then they beat, today they beat the Nets. One, I think it was 124-104. to 104, And the Nets are in the midst of an eight-game losing streak. Um, holy shit. But, J.D., 
the first question about the Nuggets, really the only thing to talk about the, with them right now is just Jokic. And my first question is just this. Right now, in your top 10, where is Nikola Jokic? It's hard. It's so many guys out. But it, it's, it's hard to say less than top five, less than top seven, higher than top three. But if we just going to go based off of numbers and strictly numbers, Jokic's number one. Jokic has been putting up numbers every night. But it's more than numbers that goes in the winning. And that's where I'm saying why I'm saying. But I say as far as numbers go, number one. But as far as players go, it's hard to say outside of five to seven. I have him. So if Kawhi was healthy, I'd have Jokic at five. Kawhi's not healthy. So right now I have Jokic at four. I think Jokic is just incredible right now. Like I watched, so there was like some highlights going around a couple of weeks ago when they played Memphis, right? And John Morant's cooking him. And the whole time I'm thinking, you know, Jokic isn't playing bad defense here. Ja is just a ma- that man. You know, Ja is just that guy you can't stay in front of. And what's been the complaint we've always heard about with Jokic? He can't play defense. Well, now he can. And yeah, he's not like your, you know, Miles Turner under the rim. He's not, you know, Shaq or he's not Tim Duncan able to body you. But he's good on defense. He's not great. And he's a, you know, he's, he's a positional defender. Yeah, he's like when you think of great center defenders and I think this is just something that we've always we've allowed ourselves to get stereotyped into thinking constantly is that when we think of great center defenders, we think of, you know, Shaq, we think of, not Shaq, um, we think of Akeem, we think of Robinson, Matumbo, uh, Ben Wallace. Yeah, shot blockers. And I think the way the NBA is evolving now is that centers are playing higher in the pick and roll and the power forwards are the ones that are getting the shot blocks, right? Like Jared Vanderbilt, that's exactly what he's doing in Minnesota and it's working. Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson, exactly. Steven Adams. Giannis. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Like, Miles Turner is, for all effects and purposes now, power forward, right? He doesn't want to play power forward, but (laughs) that's neither here nor there. So, Jokic is doing a good job of doing what he's asked of him on defense. And on offense, he just is ridiculous like that man's touch is unparalleled around the basket and just making passes like i love that thing he does and i'm sure you noticed this where like monte morris will throw the entry pass into him and then Jokic is getting double teamed as soon as he catches it so he taps it back and morris has like a layup or yeah or a 17 footer and it's like like he don't jump but he knows exactly it's like like you said his touch Exactly. And I, the only complaint you would have about Jokic is that he doesn't get to the foul line enough. Yeah. But he's, he doesn't need to get to the foul line. He's making 63% of his two pointers right now. (laughs) Like, that's insane. Even like he shoots a lot of jump shots. He's making 38% of his threes, 63% of his twos. He's getting 14 rebounds a game, eight assists, one and a half steals. Like this man, like 
it's him and Embiid for MVP right now. And I, you could really toss a coin. I think Embiid's going to win. It's just Embiid, like last year. Yeah. I think Embiid will win because Embiid will have a better record. I had Embiid last year, and he didn't because of the injury. I'm going to have the same thing this year. But honestly, Jokic's been better than he was last year. Yeah. And, like, this is no offense to Embiid because Embiid's incredible. I And J.D. knows I've been a huge Embiid guy the whole time he's known me. Like, so J.D. understands where I'm coming from with this. Jokic, I think, is just better than Embiid, right? And there's a lot of factors to it. I, I know why you saying it. You know I'm going to disagree completely. I know you disagree, but I think you'll... But you I understand. get where you're coming from. Yeah, just like the night in, night out, you know, there's no reason this Nuggets team should be that good. Jokic has reached that class of players, right, where you can have a subpar team around him and you'll still win games. You right? win like, 50 games. You'll win 50 games. And that's a real... I, I don't think this team's going to win 50 because I think they're already at like 23 losses or they're at 24 losses. So they'd have to lose eight games the rest of the year and that's not going to happen. Yeah. But if they win 47 games with this roster, <laughs> no offense to Will Barton. Will Barton's not a second option kind of quality, quality guy. You know, Aaron Gordon... Aaron Gordon is averaging 15 points a game on 51% shooting, and almost all of that can be attributed to Jokic. I love right? it is. Monte Morris, you know, 38% from three, 47% from two. All of it's Jokic. So, and I, JD, they stole your guy, Bryn Forbes, from the Spurs. I really like that move for them. He gives them like an element they didn't have, and plus they don't have to play Compazzo now. Compazzo. The the flowers off that rose, folks. He is not um, one highlight play, and that's the game. Yeah, and he's not going to see the court anymore. I I don't think. But JD, I just I feel like Jokic to me, like he's in that classic guy now. Where if you have him on your team, you feel really good about your chances of advancing very far in the playoffs. And if you don't. Like, you're not disappointed, but you're like, damn, we have this guy and we couldn't win. I, I, I kind of feel like Jokic is in that territory now. I can agree with that. And it's just because he's one of those guys that's just unstoppable. I mean, the guy can't, he can't jump over a penny. And he's still going to give you 25 and 13, at least. He's just one of those guys like, positional guys like he just know where to be his IQ he's the okay hit me when I say this and I I hope basketball brainiacs understand what I mean he's a Greg Popovich type guy anybody in the Spurs system until now hasn't been athletically fit guys. They have been guys that just know where to be. And they play in a position so well, they were greater there. Like, we, how many guys outside of Kawhi, we could say, have been better outside of when they played for Greg Popovich? True. And that's what I mean. Like, you would think that he went to Greg Popovich school because he just knows where to be, how to play the game, how to find the slightest 
mistakes and everything. Like his IQ is off the charts, you know, and it's like he's not a student of the game anymore. He's a master. He he's teaching you what you're doing wrong as he's exploiting it. And you still can't figure it out. He's telling you, stop dropping your leg or I'm gonna kick you there every time. I mean, stop dropping, stop, stop picking up your leg or I'm gonna kick you in the thigh every time. And because you're so scared of that leg kick, you keep picking it up and it's landing on your thigh to the point you can't move it anymore. And now he walking around you and picking you apart. And that's how I feel. Whatever he wants to do, he's telling you this is what's uh, this is what's gonna be your weakness. And I'm gonna do it. And I'm gonna tell you what you're doing wrong, and you still won't be able to stop me. Like years ago, remember they played the Spurs and they went seven games. Mm-hmm. What did I tell you was the only thing that I believed in in my Spurs winning? Jokic not being aggressive enough. And I mean, when he chose to be aggressive, I told I told you after what, like game five, the Spurs was done. I said, now with him shooting like this. And every year in the playoffs, he has became more and more aggressive. To the point where, yeah, the Lakers um Denver series didn't look the based off of the games play, it don't look like Denver's was ever in the series, but Jokic still had his way. He just got slowed down from all the physical contact. Jokic still played superstar level every night and had gave Denver a chance every night. If he had a third option at that time that he could depend on, could have possibly swung that series. I'm not going to lie to you, JD. Before you said that, I the way I remember the 2020 conference finals was that Jokic got shut down. <laughs> he averaged 22 points a game on th- 53% for the field. And, and, and we gave, like, the Lakers get hell of credit because they made it tough to get, like, for him to put the ball up. What you're but saying it, is Dwight it fouled like, the shit. It feel like when he put the ball up, it was going in. Dwight fouled the shit out of him. <laughs> That series. Dwight was playing like Bill Lambeer in that series. And it's not really talked about enough how Dwight yeah, just became, they didn't want to call a foul every play. Dwight became 2020 Bill Lambeer, but he did in that playoffs. And it, hey, they didn't call it, which good for them. But yes, everything you're saying about Jokic is correct. And that's why I think my next question, it kind of plays into this. If Murray and if Murray, I should have said if Murray or Porter come back. Do you think there's a chance they make the finals? Not just both of them, just one of them. Like I feel like Murray to me is the X factor of the season, not named Kawhi Leonard. Like I yeah. feel like he was so killer in the bubble. He was really great last year. Like yeah, I I liked him a lot last year, and you know I'm not even a Murray guy no more. At Kentucky, I was, but when he had his words with Jimmy. When Jimmy was in Minnesota, I was like, come on now. You too inconsistent to talk to the man like this. <laughs> You're not inclined to be a Jamal Murray guy, but okay. Very Murray good, did- though. And you know, you know, I give him his highest praise. Last season was the best I've seen him. <laughs> yes. 
He's amazing player. I think. I think against the Suns, they were missing Murray because absolutely they didn't didn't, like that was a series where they missed him the most because they needed someone to attack when Jokic was being Jokic played great in that Sun series too. Yeah, like again, just to that point of being unstoppable. I'd say Murray is kind of the middleton to, you know, Jokic's Giannis, Mm -hmm. except. Murray has the potential to be better than Middleton. And that's, I'm, you know, I'm very high on Middleton. Yeah. I think that Murray, I really want to see if he comes back because I thought he was going to be back by now. I'm not going to lie to you. He tore his ACL last year. Wasn't it it towards the end of the season though? It was towards the end of the season. But remember the end of the season last year was he tore his ACL with about like, I think 15 games left in the season and 15 games left in the season last year is like after the day they're going to be ending the regular season this year. So that's why I thought he'd be back. If he's back by the start of the playoffs, I think that's going to be, I think that'll be probably a year after he hurt himself. But I think like they need to warm him up, like give him like a little warm up period. Give him, give him his one month span. I think that he's listen, man, he's a really good player. I really want to see him play basketball. I miss him. <laughs> and I think Porter was really bad to start the year, but he was hurt. This is always a concern with Michael Porter Jr. His bones were made of glass. There's a reason he fell to the 14th pick. He was a really, really highly touted high school guy. But I think like JD, I think this team could make some noise. I don't think they're better right now than the Clippers, Warriors, or Suns, but I think they could beat any of them in a series. Does that make sense? I get where you're coming from. Like, it's not out of the realm of possibility to me where... No, because of the the Jokic factor. Right, and I think I, like, it's going to be tough, but it's the problem is, is they don't have stoppers for Steph, right? I think that the Warriors would be the most favorable matchup for them out of those three. Although they match up really well with the Clippers. They've matched up like there's a reason they won that series in 2020. And that was yeah. before they acquired Aaron Gordon, who guards Kawhi really well. Like I'm, he's not like the Kawhi stopper, but he's probably the best Kawhi guarder in the league. No. So <laughs> who's the best Kawhi guarder in the league? To be completely honest, I think they lost him. In who? I think Jeremy Grant. Probably. Grant Grant did a very good job versus Kawhi. Granted, I don't think none of them can guard Kawhi. Nobody can guard Kawhi. I like, think I honestly think and that's like if they was to play now fully healthy, I I I take the Clippers for this reason. I think Paul George is better than he was then. Paul like I think Paul George, like, just think last year with Kawhi and PG, like, versus Dallas, you couldn't guard neither one of them. Versus um, Utah, you couldn't guard neither one of them. And as soon as Kawhi went down, Paul George took it another level. I think that when they first played that first year, I for one, Doc Rivers, 
I, I'm oh gosh, I'm not finna get deep into that. I just think fully healthy right now. I think the Clippers will take that take that edge, just because I think they players have developed to be better. Plus the experience they got. I think with Denver, it's certain people, it's certain players on that team. I think will hurt them in that series. I don't think Aaron Gordon is a plus in that series. Maybe, maybe defensively, offensively, they kill Aaron Gordon. Um, Will Barton, he's a hit or miss in that series. It's like when you you in the playoffs, you need guys that's gonna show up, and you need guys. You need your consistent players. Then you just need guys to have a game. Will Barton give you a game? But on the consistency level, I, 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 I'm going to take the Clippers guys, plus they got more guys that can give you a game. You know what Kawhi PG is going to do. You know what Yoke is going to do. You know what Jamal Murray is going to do. And you know my biggest thing with Jamal Murray was his inconsistency. He's reached that level. I got to put him in there with those guys. So you got four guys right there. Consistency. Now you think of the guys that'll get you a game. I'm going to throw Will Barton in there. He gets you a game. Who else gets you a game for Denver? Maybe Monte Morris, but I think that I see where you're coming from he, for sure. He gets you a quarter. Yeah. It's but not get like, you a game. I I'll mean, tell you what. Is he your Reggie Jackson? Maybe. This might sound crazy. Maybe it's Bones. Maybe it's my guy Bones Island. Bones Island. Shout like, out to him. <laughs> like, first of all, the I best like name Bones. In, best name in the league. Really, I shoehorned that last question in the who have the non-Jokic bright spots been to you. I want to talk about Bones, man. That dude can put the ball in the bucket. And to get him at 26, <laughs> that's a steal because that team needed another scoring guard. And he listen, I'm not. He's probably not going to be the guy that, you know, steals a game. But he and Monte Morris could combine steal a game. And I think that's something that they have with Morris now and Forbes, right? We saw Forbes stole a whole series. Yeah. <laughs> so against the right team, you know, you have got this is the thing about the Nuggets is they develop so well. They have a lot of guys. Hell, Najee might Najee stole a game from the Knicks earlier this year. Okay. Like and it's the Knicks, so take that with a grain of salt. But they just have a lot of guys on their team. I feel like this team, they're not as good as they were last year. Yeah. But if Murray was healthy, I'd be willing to entertain a different conversation. But, J.D., for the sake of time, let's go ahead and move on to the Cavs because we got a lot to talk about with the Cavs. They are currently... They are, let's see, Eastern Conference standings. They are 33 and 21, good for third in the Eastern Conference. Such a tight conference. <laughs> Such a tight conference. There are, there's a game and a half separating one and five right now. Um, <laughs> Who's in first? The first, the first seed is the Miami Heat. The Bulls are a half game behind because yeah. they played one fewer game. Cavs are third. Bucks are fourth. They're tied with the same record. And then the six, the Sixers are fifth. Yeah. The Raptors actually have slipped into the playoff conversation, folks, between this power hour and the last one, since the Nets are on a losing streak of epic, epic proportions. But the Cavs have had a bad week. 
There's really no other way to say it. Garland's been out for most of these games. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, one they lost to the Pistons last Sunday, one fifteen to one hundred five. They beat the Pelicans ninety three to ninety. They lost to the Rockets again. They lost to the Rockets one fifteen to one hundred four, and then they beat the Hornets one hundred two one hundred one. And then today they beat the Pacers ninety eight to eighty five. And the Pacers are a relevant team to our discussion because they just made a trade today, like literally. An hour before the game? The Pacers was destroying them actually earlier. The Pacers had a very big lead early in the game, and then shocker of all shockers, the Pacers blew it because they suck. Shout out to the Pacers front office. They gave away... They gave Levert to the... I think it was actually a good deal for the Pacers, but we'll talk about that. They traded Levert and a second-round pick to the Cavs for... Um, a, this year's first round pick from Cleveland, Houston second round pick, I believe another second round pick from the Cavs and Ricky Rubio's expiring contract. Um, JD, I think Levert fills a need for this team. This team had like a desperate need for a guy that wasn't Garland to handle the ball and score from the perimeter. And I think they have like Levert's not been great, but I feel like in a more in a more confined role, let's say, where he's not having to do as much. I feel like Levert could be really good for the Cavs. Absolutely. I love that for them. He's, you know, Levert, he can get to the, his shot off the dribble. He, How do you see him fitting in with this team? I think um, because it's a very unselfish team, I actually like the addition a whole lot. My biggest thing would be uh, will Levert be able to play Levert basketball? I feel like in the playoffs, they'll let him. But you also have to build that confidence in the regular season. J.B. Bickerstaff being the coach that he is, I think he'll let him. I just hope that Levert can understand that and go out there and do that, which we know he's a guy that played with extreme confidence anyway. I just hope that um, I hope he fit in well. I hope I I really do. I like Levert. Always have. Uh, yeah, I think I think he he fits in well. I mean, my favorite thing is they like Garland. Um, be Garland, which you know I got ties to. There he is, Garland. Um, from elementary school. So I love the fact that he's getting his opportunity and not only getting his opportunity, this guy's relishing in the moment. All-star him, please. I think he was an all-star, wasn't he? No. He didn't make the all-star game? I swore he made the all-star game. I do not believe. He, no, he made he, the all-star game. He did make it. LaMelo Baldwin. I knew one of them was going to get screwed. And there was, there was a lot of guards here, JD. So one of them... They should have made DeRozan a forward, actually. That's why they should have he made is. But he wasn't he was a guard on the um starters. So he that's why he took a he guard. He was a guard away. on the starter? Mm-hmm. So yeah. But I Okay, it's Trey Young, him, Kevin Durant, Giannis, and and Embiid for the starters. Right, yeah. And then DeRozan was supposed to be a forward. Yeah, but we know why they did that, though. Of course. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's a good thing they got a bull in the starting lineup. But in all seriousness, J.D., like Garland, 
Man, he's been probably my favorite, not my favorite player in the league, because I think Ja is my favorite player now and forever um, until he retires. <laughs> but Garland, like Garland and Ja in the same draft class is insane. And what he's doing off the dribble is ridiculous. How he's facilitating a team that is playing three seven footers <laughs> and thriving. Right, this team doesn't play like any other team that we've had in forever, maybe? Like at least like no team like okay. This is obviously a stretch and they're not this team. The last team I could think of that played three guys this big was like the 80 Celtics when they played they're huge. Like Bird, McHale, and Parrish. But I don't think all like I think only Parrish was seven feet tall. Even then, I don't know if he was seven feet tall. And again, they're not those guys, but it just goes to show how rare it is in the NBA to have three giants on your front line and to have like a good defense. And I think this team is really unique. Um, I like what they're getting from their bench. I love what Kevin Love's been doing this year. I love what I love it. Osmond's been great this year. Um, I really like the Rondo pickup for them. I would like them to get another backup point guard because I think Rondo's old. But if Rondo's um, your that, third, that young guy they got is a good win. Mm-hmm. That sucker is nice. <laughs> yeah, he should have been on. I, I thought he was good in Atlanta, so I'm surprised. You know, it's it's weird how NBA players fall through the cracks sometimes. But yeah, they have a really nice collection of talent, and I think Levert is going to be like a nice little bow on top, especially after they lost Sexton. And um, there's still a chance they bring Rubio back next offseason. Like Rubio can re-sign with the Cavs. So if they want to keep the good vibes rolling, like JD, (laughs) I think we need to move on to other parts of the team, but just real quick, who are some guys like, is there anyone else on the Cavs you wanted to shout out before we move on to the big three? Um, yeah, it's two of them. Isaac Okoro. I don't know why, but I, I always like, that he was a he was a physical specimen that just played hard. Like you can't just say, "Oh, he does this well." You just know he's gonna be in the thick of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to shout out Lamar Stevens real quick while you're thinking. I love that dude. I love the way he plays basketball. And lastly, Kevin Love. I love it. I I love the love guy. I, he's been he's not going to win six man of the year because that's going to be Tyler Hero but he should be second on every ballot like what he's doing and we've known Kevin Love has been this good for a while so it kind of makes you wonder why are you just now doing this but hey better late than never right like we saw it with Mello we saw it with you know we saw it with Vince Carter when these guys realize their fates they can become really good role players and I'm glad we're seeing it with Kevin Love. But JD, I had some hyperbole the last time we talked about the Cavs on this power hour. I said Evan Mobley's the next KG. I said he's the best rookie big since Duncan, which is why the next question I asked you is, is he the best rookie big since Duncan? Duncan obviously made the first team all NBA in 97-98. And since then, the rookie bigs, like the class of them hasn't been as inspiring as you'd think. You know, maybe Yao Ming, you know, maybe Amari Stoudemire was pretty good as rookie year. I'm trying to think. Um, AD. AD is probably the best one of the last decade, and he wasn't like 
what he is now. I think big man's a really hard position to break in and excel at. And it's kind of why I'm so in love with Mobley is because he's doing this at such a young age, but am I being crazy when I say it's the best rookie seasons for a big since Tim Duncan? Um, okay. So I got two names for two different reasons. Um, one being Joel Embiid. I did not count him. <laughs> and um, the other one would be that freak man, Blake Griffin. I think Blake Griffin came in and like <sighs> with Mobley is more technically sound, you know. But everything Blake did, it was loud and it was a momentum changer. Like, I think and it's because his motor was so high. It wasn't like, oh, it's one play that's changing. It was like, damn, this dude just went on a stretch of big block, big rebound, big dunk, um, got fouled. And it's like Blake's motor just was so freaking contagious when he first came in the league. Now, I obviously believe Mobley more skilled and more uh, technically sound, but I got to put Blake and um, Embiid up there. So I think the reason I didn't think of either of those guys is because they missed their first year. They missed their first year and Embiid missed his second year. So Embiid was in his third year when he finally started playing basketball. And Here's the other reason why neither of those guys had the impact as defenders as those guys did. None of the guys I listed did right. Like Yao, I think was on a pretty, I don't think the Rockets sucked his first year there, but like the impact Mobley's having defensively right now is legitimately insane. Like he allows, like I brought up Garland earlier, but Mobley's, versatility just for me allows them to play three, seven footers at the same time, because he can guard the perimeter. He can guard the paint, right? Yeah. Cause marketing is a below average defender, but marketing looks really good playing next to Mobley and Allen. He does. Because he, he has to, he doesn't have to guard the best player. He can guard like the worst player and be like, Hey, you know, I can slide my feet. I can foul you a little bit because you know, we're actually allowing guys to play defense again. Um, marketing looks better because he's playing next to Mobley. And I think Mobley, Mobley's like a chess, like a check, not chess piece. He's like a puzzle piece, right? He's a puzzle piece that just unlocks everything and he allows you to finish the puzzle. And I, that's why I have him as so good. Again, am I crazy for saying this? <laughs> I, I don't think so. Everything you said, I think is pretty accurate and not to be completely honest. Him and Allen together is like, it reminds me of traditional bigs. Exactly. Like, I do feel the... Now, I'm not saying these two are as good as them, but I do feel the Duncan Robinson age and times and I did because of them. Like, the last time we seen a power forward and center actually mesh the way they mesh, mm, <sighs> Maybe Blake and DeAndre. But even then, that was always an awkward fit. Yeah, it was an awkward fit, but 
Blake was skilled enough to make DeAndre look better on the offensive end. I think Mobley does that for Jared Allen. But I think defensively, just like uh, Blake and DJ, they know where each other's going to be. Like, we knew Blake was always going to be weak side help when DJ got pulled out. And we knew, regardless, DJ was going to be weak side help for everybody else. But with Cleveland, they got three guys that's that's able to switch for the weak side help. And that's that's the bigger upgrade. That's why I, I went to those two specifically. But, man, I, I love it. I, I do love that. And another thing, I think Mobley has the potential to – I'm not going to say to be this guy that's like um, – I'm not going to put him in the greatest power force of all time class. But what I'm going to say is, one of the most talented and skilled guys of this generation. I think he's this generation's KG. Like, and I, I can't. I the, the only reason I'll say it, I'm not trying to cut you off. The only reason I'll say it, KG's intensity is unmatched by any power forward during these times. Okay. Let's take away the intensity because that's a fair point. Everything else. <laughs> I mean, it's KG. It's like defense is a lot better when he's on the floor. Offense is a lot better when he's on the floor because he can KG. I think the beauty of his game and I think what's been lost to time and, you know, his prime was 10 years, like not even 10 years ago. His prime ended like 15 years ago. Like what's been lost to time is that KG was a, a glue guy playing a superstars game. And I think that's what Mobley is like to have a superstar who can play a glue guy kind of game who yeah. can fix the holes around your roster on both sides. That's like unparalleled talent. And I think it's why players talk about KG a lot more highly than maybe the media does. And I think KG is, he's was obviously he's probably the most underrated great of our generation. Like, I don't really think it's close. And I think Mobley has the same skill set, and I think that's terrifying for the league, especially that he ended up on the team with Garland and Allen. <laughs> yeah. I think that leads me to my question, J.D. Is Allen, Garland, Mobley the best young trio in the league? I think it has to be a definitive yes. Mm. So, okay, let me throw out a couple other couple options. Um, my question is, what are we describing as young? Because... I got one that I'll put over them that comes to my mind a little bit. Is it, are they three guys in Boston? No, I don't think, I don't think Tatum and Brown got a third. I don't think, I mean, you could say Robert Williams, but I don't think he's on the level. No, hell no. He, no disrespect to him. You know, I like time Lord, but he's not on none of those guys level. Is it Anthony Simons, Nas Little, and um, Ben McLemore? <laughs> ben McLemore been around too long. Ben McLemore has been in the league almost as long as Anthony Simons has been alive. Who's your trio? Them guys in Minnesota. That's. I think they might be a little too old, but I, I mean, 
what D'Lo maybe a year or two older than us, maybe three. I mean, two years because they would have been class of fourteen. Him and Cat, they're because remember they're the same age. They were one and two in the fifteen draft. Yeah, uh, but I, I, because yeah, I don't. I mean, that's young though. They enter in a prime years. Okay, that's a fair. I didn't put like really strict guidelines on this. I was thinking more like the only other trio I'd put it up against would be Bane, would be Job Bane and Jaren. But mm. I think I say they number one. Then Job the best player. Job's the best player, but I think the other two. I think Allen and Mobley are both better than Jaren. I don't agree personally. I think I think Mobley and um, Jaron is almost a toss up. I don't know who I give the edge to because Mobley at like Mobley at his best, I think is capable of like affecting the game more. But I think Jaron at his best changes the game more. I if think, that makes sense. I see what you're saying. Like, Jaron, I mean, the last couple of months, he's probably the defensive player of the year. And if he doesn't get hurt, he's probably going to win since Gobert and Gobert and Draymond have missed a lot of time. And obviously, Kawhi is a perennial um, defensive player of the year candidate, and he's missed all the year. So, Jaron's probably going to win defensive player of the year. I think that I don't know. I that's I see your point. I would probably lean Cleveland, but that's just because I'm such a fan of what all of them can do. Yeah, I lean to Cleveland because I think they are better than Bane. Yeah, that's for sure. But, but I think I just think that you could argue that um I I think you just can argue that Jaron is in that same class with Mobley. I think that's fair. Uh, I think Allen. I think we'll see in the playoffs because playoffs will be a big proving ground for both of them. Um, I was going to ask you if you were upset that Lowry can play defense now, but you don't think he, you think he's a fraud basically still. I'm not saying he's a fraud, but I just don't think he's. How can I say this? He didn't give us his best. Yeah. Oh, it's very obvious. And he is killing it in Cleveland this year. His shooting is not good. But, and also he has missed the last, he's going to be out for a good amount of time with an ankle. Um, This year he's only shooting 34% from three, but the threat of like, he's kind of like a miles percentage, right? Like I think miles the last couple of years had a misleading three point percentage, but that's because he was being guarded so tightly. Lowry is a really good shooter. We saw that in Chicago. Yeah. And I think he's being guarded real tight since he's by far the best perimeter shooter out there. And, you know, he's being guarded real tightly and he's missing a lot of shots, but the threat of him is creating spacing for the Cavs. And I think it's really important. Um, The last question I have, J.D., and I think this will be a good question to wrap the power up with. The East is really tough this year. I mean, Brooklyn's the seventh seed for crying out loud, and they're going to get KD back after the All-Star break. (laughs) Which they need desperately. They need him back bad. I think the Raptors are really good. I think the Hornets are really good. I think the Hawks are really good. And now that they're got, they've got Cam out of there, their shot selection rotation makes a lot more sense. And 
I think the Celtics can be really good. I think the Bulls are really good. I think the Bucks obviously need to be feared. The Heat. I do you think this team, the Cavs, come in a playoff series? I think that's the most important question for this season. And does it matter if they can't win one? Depends on the matchup. Um I don't think I don't think they can beat a healthy Brooklyn. I think they dominate on the inside, but I would take Kevin Durant, Harden, and KD. I mean, and Kyrie playing the three, three and mid range game more than I trust the other uh, Cleveland pounding it on the inside every play. And don't get me wrong, it the inside is easier to score it, but I mean. With, with with them having the top three players regardless, I think they all could just find a way to win the game. And when you got Kevin Durant, he's going to give you three games. He gives you three games. Yeah. So um, I won't say them with the Bulls. I think I think they'll be a, a tough matchup for us. I think we win. Um, They don't beat Milwaukee. That's like they beat them in the regular season, but there's no way. I think the reason they they have no way of being Milwaukee is I don't think they can defend Milwaukee. Yeah. Like y'all got a lot of bodies to throw at Giannis, but we know Giannis is relentless. The way to stop Giannis is to stop him from picking the ball up. I mean, putting the ball down. And the only reason Toronto was able to do that was because he was scared. The best. <laughs> he was afraid to dribble in front of Kawhi. They had three of the best defenders of the last decade. Of course, like, he was going to struggle in that series. Like, he was afraid to dribble in front of Kawhi. And if he got a shoulder on him, you had two more people right there to make him pick it up. I don't think Cleveland have the guys to do that. They just had the guys to challenge him. You can block your shot 10 times. Giannis will try it 10 more. And and I don't think they have a guy that could guard Middleton. I think Porter's going to pull somebody from under the basket. I think Drew will be an irritant. Uh, if he can irritate Chris Powell, he can get under Darius Garland uh, enough because Garland don't have the experience yet. But I know, but what I will say, Cleveland is a guy's of young, talented bulls, like young, young, young bulls over there. Like they just ready to go. Um, Philly, you think Philly is the one I think they could beat. I just don't know if they will. I think Ashley, they don't beat Philly if Embiid averages 40. They can't guard Embiid. But Tobias Harris is my question mark. Will he be there for Embiid? And based off the last three years, I say no. Yeah, that's a pretty easy answer to your question, J.D. I don't know why you asked it. I say no. They beat Philly. I think, okay, rapid fire. Do we think they beat all the, like, the play-in? So Raptors, Hornets, Celtics, Hawks. Do we think? I think they beat all those teams. You think they struggle with any of them? Yes, I think they struggle with all of them. Really? The Raptors is the longest team in the East. 
they literally play a lineup where they shortest guys Gary Trent Jr. and and, and it's times where they sit him down and everybody on the floor is sit seven and up and they and they place and they the only team I can say they could go in there and battle with Cleveland on the boards and that in just that capacity because they play so big with Atlanta I don't I don't think they got an answer for Trey Young and I think Trey is entering a place where he's going to affect the game regardless if you can stop Capella from getting alley-oop dunks can you stop their shooters from again wide open threes and we know they have capable enough shooters to steal a game Damn. Trey Young Trey Young gets you two games Trey Young will get you two games just based off of his greatness because he he's one of those guys that's entering a moment where he'll give you 30 and 10 nightly in the playoffs and I would say with Charlotte, I think Charlotte would be the toughest team for them to beat. And I don't know. Jared Allen had 29 and 22. Yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. Jared Allen is the reason that they won, but it was questionable referee calls at the end. That was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. And I, it was questionable referee calls at the end. I think Charlotte gives them the the hardest matchups because Charlotte don't play as big as Cleveland. But when your shortest guy on the floor is Lamelo Ball, who's six eight, six nine, you throwing him Bridges, Ubre, PJ Washington, and um. And Plumlee out there, or or they take out him and what's the other guy name? McDaniel's. Yeah, they throwing out McDaniel's. You you think like, yeah, they might get a lot of offense rebounds, but Charlotte is so freaking athletic. And then I didn't even mention going Hayward. We can argue going Hayward is the most solid scoring option of either team. Um. I think Charlotte is the hardest matchup, but I think they can. Don't get me wrong. I think they can win them all, but I think versus Charlotte, it's a way. It's it's about the bounce of the ball. That's you know. I think that's a good way to wrap it up. And um, make sure you check out JD. What's the name of your movie for everyone that needs to go check it out? Proverbs thirty one on Amazon. Make sure you check it out. Um, word of advice, because I still haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I'm going to sit down and watch it, you know, sometime in the next few days. Uh, make sure you look for it on the Amazon Prime website, not like the Amazon Prime, you know, video app. I think it's a little harder to find that way. Just a word of advice for everyone who wants to listen. And, so leave, sure. a, and leave a review. When you go to lead a review, just search Amazon. You search the movie and go write a review. And make sure you say JD sucks and everyone else is great. Cause you know, that's what, that's what we do here. Um, make sure you check out facts and stats facts and stats is rolling. It's rolling along. Great. Make sure you tomorrow. Ch- oh, there you go. Make sure you check out the new one. Um, make sure you check out insanity. I think they're taking this week off. 
And, but last week they had really great coverage of the Brian Flores situation. They had really great coverage of this um, games that went on. So make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out circle city cinema. They're dropping two episodes this week. They're um, book of Boba Fett episode. And then I believe they're reviewing the last duel. So make sure you check that out. Um, and then make sure you listen and JD, I will be joined by our friend Caleb Lynn to discuss all the trade deadline trades next this Thursday. So make sure you check that out coming out on Friday. That'll be a really fun episode. And JD, I want to thank you so much for joining me and thank you for joining me on this journey. Oh, no problem, bro. You know, I love doing anything sports related and then get to work with my guys, man. Absolutely phenomenal. Thanks for having me. Of course. And thank you all very much for listening.